five, four, three, two, one. Hi, I'm Judd Apatow, the executive producer. I'm Paul Feig, uh, the creator and co-executive producer. I'm Jake Kasdan, I'm the director of this pilot for Freaks and Geeks. And many others. Uh, this is our first commentary. We are going to do a lot of different commentaries. You're going to hear many things that are funny, sweet, and also things that will shock you. <laughs> and so uh, we apologize in advance for the behavior of all of the young people that will be speaking openly as themselves, not as their characters. <laughs> you can always trust that we'll be good. Yes, we'll be. We'll try to be adults, but. Uh, you will find out the differences between the actors and their characters. For a long time we tried to suppress the actual people, but finally we couldn't keep them quiet anymore. The lid is out. So we will not be editing these commentaries to make anyone look good. So if they said it, it's their problem. <laughs> That's right. Please write letters to them. Uh, uh, Martin Starr's address is... On this commentary we thought we'd talk a little bit about how this idea developed. Uh, this scene was... Uh, Amazing! It was in the very first draft, and it was the the scene that just you know grabbed my interest the first time I read it. But Paul, tell us about how you first thought of the idea for the show. Well, it's I'd always wanted to do a show about high school because all this stuff I'd, I'd seen about high school, either movies or TV. While I, you know, enjoyed it, it was never about people I knew. It was never about the groups I knew. If it was about a nerd, then it was about nerds with tapes on tape on their glasses, and they were dysfunctional. And I just wanted to show the like the, the burnout kids I knew and what the kids in my group were like. And with this opening scene, I wanted to do is kind of make fun of the shows that I'd seen all all along, which are kind of about the beautiful people, and then go underneath and see our subgroups, the people we really know. And so. Got to see the freaks who always used to hang out under the bleachers in our school, and then, then the geeks, and uh, and then sort of the dynamic of my life in high school, which the was people are kind of off camera in other high school. Right, shows. they would be extras, and they'd right. have one line, and to show this dynamic, which was <laughs> such an important one in my life, getting pushed against walls. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake, what were you trying to do as you tried to come up with a, you know, a look for this show? What do you remember about this sequence? Well, I mean, like you say, this was, I remember reading this and the very first time I ever read it and thinking this is just a electric, great sequence that would be fun to shoot. And it is the rare, you know, opening to a pilot that, that actually kind of distills the essence of the show into a very neat and elegant little sequence, you know, without, uh, it's not, it's not all story, it's not all character, it's not the thing that happens in a lot of pilots where you meet, you know, our characters surrounded by a bunch of other characters who you know you'll never see again, it's like it actually says, these are our people, this is what we're interested in, and I sort of, um, and it's funny, and I, and, you know, I sort of, it was on this sequence that I actually kind of keyed the whole look for everything, which was, you know, to approach it like a, you know, we're going to shoot these geeks, these freaks, the way that we, you know, Robert Altman would shoot a movie in the 70s, or Michael Mann would shoot like a gritty crime thriller or something, you know, it's like totally real, just let the camera kind of hang back and create this sort of sense of an objective observer this is real and we're just watching it happen yeah and that the actors are behaving and that's what that's what we're rendering sort of is that why jake was so perfect to do this because that was always a thing I, I mean tv has become 
You know, there's a whole thing about TV in the 70s it was all talking heads, blah, blah, blah. People always get on that thing. And so then throughout the 80s and 90s, it became so much to try to make them look like movies with unnecessary camera movements and all that. And I really wanted the show to feel like the shows did in the 70s because I like those. They feel more like independent films. They, yeah. And so, you know, Jake took that and ran with it. It was fantastic. And we were lucky enough to have the yeah. Matrix's Bill Pope, yeah, uh, the, the, the really cinematographer great, of our pilot. One of the really great yeah. DPs who shot my first movie, Zero Effect, with me. And I mm -hmm. was able to persuade him to come join us to do this. And the result was, uh, I think we got the last... Bill you know, Pope television pilot probably ever. <laughs> <laughs> the day we finished this uh, shooting the pilot, The Matrix came out yeah. actually the same day. And I remember thinking, like, I don't know if he's doing too many more TV pilots. This might have been it. <laughs> but did he have fun? <laughs> he had a blast. He loved it. Well, it, was, it was he loved it, and he refers to it often still. Uh, well, he really set the look. I mean, the, the, he did. He, just... It's a very distinctive and unusual kind of muted television palette. You know, there's no... Yeah. Uh, it's just like what it looks like in somebody's living room here. Yeah, and it, and it looks like NBC shows used to look. NBC shows yeah. used to act, were kind of drained of color. I yeah, yeah. like Family. There. Remember that show, Family? Yeah, exactly. Tell us about this scene, Paul, because it's the main scene that defined the family, and I remember we debated a lot about how to define these parents. Yeah, well, uh, actually, the original draft I had written... Um, you know, uh, Harold uh, Joe uh, Joe Flaherty's character was was a little more straight. He was more kind of the um, hey, come on, kids, get out there. He had a little more of Gene's attitude, and Gene also. They were both very uh, happy parents because I wanted to have a, a show about kids with good parents, and all their friends might not have good parents, but it was a normal home because then these are the kids that are sent out into the world of all these other screwed up kids and have to kind of uh, deal with that. Um, but then it, both Jake and and, and Judd had. Uh, they had kind of pushed me to do something more with with uh, with Joe's character, and so I started thinking of like what, what's give more attitude. And my dad was always on these things about like you know if you do this you'll die, if you do this something terrible happens. So I kind of went crazy with it, and I'm so happy that happened because now it's one of the you know my favorite parts of the show. But it, it was just a way to also show the dynamic that there is this school dance and how parents have this old, especially older parents that I wanted to have on this because my parents were older. They had me when they were 40. And they have that old concept of school of like you're in there and you're 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 you know doing things. You're going to dances and it's the best time of your life. Really and, pushing the extracurriculars <laughs> and not realizing you know what it changed in the last uh, thirty years. And now it's kind of hellish actually. And I remember when uh, we got a tape from Joe Flaherty from Canada of him reading it. In my head, I thought. I am going to push this down everyone's throats. <laughs> we are going to hire Joe Flaherty. And oh, everyone yeah. Would, and everyone would have thought, can you really hire Guy Caballero to play the dad? And in the back of my head, I was just planning and scheming, like, I'm going to manipulate everyone until Joe Flaherty gets this part. And then we had Joe Reed for the network, and still uh, everyone wasn't sure. And then at the network, he was incredible and really subtle and funny, yeah. and he blew everybody away. And then those, oh, yeah. that... that that thing, his his joke kind of became the main joke that they sold the show with initially. I mean, that was sort of the promos, that was the ads, that was the, you know what happened to him, he's dead, was kind of the catch oh, yeah. phrase joke. Yeah. And that, that we just saw one of Jake's favorite uh, shots, which was, I remember we were setting up, smashing the Twinkie shot. I think it's uh, one of our action moments in the pilot. I remember when we were focusing on that shot. The ruthless destruction of a Twinkie. Right. I can't believe I'm shooting a Twinkie. <laughs> 
And this is Stephen Banos, an old friend of ours who has made us laugh for decades at this point. And a lot of the fun of this show was putting people in it that we knew were great but hadn't been on TV a lot, like... Steve Battos and Dave Allen and yeah, played Mr. Rossum, yeah, and uh, and Tom Wilson is as Mr. Fredericks. Yeah. Uh, when we were doing the notes on on the pilot, uh, a lot of the process was trying to figure out who the the freaks were because in the pilot the story mainly revolved around Lindsay and the geeks and not the freaks, and so as we were auditioning people, uh, we were creating characters for the. For the freaks, and then that part was kind of very quickly evolving and yeah. adjusting, and based so much on who we ended up casting and yeah. taking their personalities. Which is, I mean, I had never worked in television ever. So this was completely an introduction, and I've learned since it not representative of what it's usually like to work in television. But the one of the great um, lessons I felt like from from Judd and Paul, and just how this works is you have to write to the actors in a way that you don't in features. In movies, you're really sort of trying to get find people to play the role that's written. In television, you're much more attached to the actors if it goes to series than you are to any single scene, almost. And so there is this process of like taking this really fantastic script, keeping its essence true, and yet adjusting it to the people who are going to be in it to give it a reality. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the reality that characterizes the show, I think. Yeah, that can, that can carry over hopefully five years, seven years. Yeah. This is a scene that was written uh, by Paul in, in rehearsal because for all of the drafts, she was already a freak. And then when we got all the actors there the first week before we were going to shoot... We table read it, and we realized that there wasn't any story yeah. for Lindsay, and it was kind of going nowhere. And then one of us came up with the with the idea that well, maybe this is you know I think it might have been Jason Siegel's idea. I thought one of the kids thought of it that maybe this I, is... I just remember yeah us to doing a powwow and going like something's wrong. Is like wait wait we know it's 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 that she's not in the group. I can't remember who yeah. and that this should be the moment that we see her join the group. Yeah, she shouldn't be in it yet. And as soon as the uh, and that's sort of what we'll see over the course of the pilot, is her introduction to this group of people. And it made it so much better. It's such a simple idea. Uh, it's funny that none of us thought of it before then. Right. Because it's a perfect way to introduce everybody. We can see everybody's personality as they introduce themselves. And as she's starting to see them for the first time. Yeah. No, the other thing, yeah. I would say that this, more than anything I've ever been a part of, <laughs> The casting, what, what? which is, oh again, God, the, the other thing that clearly defines what the show is, is this incredible group of kids we've got. Yeah. But it was, the casting process with this was really like lightning bolt revelations every time. And I look yeah. at these guys in these first, in this first episode, and I remember so vividly the three of us sitting there for weeks and weeks, a really long time casting the show, and one by one, as these kids would come in, it really was like gongs would sound, yeah. and it was clearly like, there she is, there he is, there he is. And I remember seeing all those freaks for the first time, and thinking, these are like four movie stars, like yeah. major future of American acting kind of kids. And I remember the same feeling the same way with the little dweebs or geeks or whatever we're calling them. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, you know, looking and looking and looking, seeing all kinds of kids, and 
Well, it was just we knew. And the funny thing with with the Millie character with yeah, uh, that Sarah Hagen took the longest. It took the longest because everybody we saw that came in red for Lindsay, we'd go like, "Well, she could be Millie." She was, we literally had I think about a hundred potential Millies. Yeah. And yet normally we were kind of over the moon about. And then Jake and I were in that casting session. And Sarah came in and we were just talking to her and she started reading. I remember you and I looking at each other yeah, going like, there "Oh is. my God, there she <laughs> is!" It's just become totally true all oh. of a sudden. No, she's not pushing. At all, she's not forcing it, just totally real, exactly. And then the, the Cindy Sanders character was same kind I mean, of thing, yeah. Because I had you know, this is all based on this crazy crush I had on this cheerleader when I was in high school. I used to look at her picture in the yearbook and I asked her to the this actually the, the thing that happens in here where he asks her out on the day of the, the homecoming is based on what I did with this girl, you know. And she turned out she probably would have gone with me if I hadn't asked her the day of, but uh, so casting this was really important to find, find just the perfect kind of. Midwestern girl who's not like uh, some kind of California model, which a lot of shows would kind of have, you yeah. know, the big Barbie yeah, doll. Yeah, yeah, no. She's like a kid still, but she's beautiful. And, yeah, and just classic. And you can see where she'd get your attention totally. Yeah, and everybody. This is like a great Fig scene. Again, like a definitive Fig pilot scene, which is the three guys analyzing what it means that she brought the jacket. Just like total minutia and reality of that thing, of like how important that seems at that moment when, I mean, clearly... <laughs> There's no real uh, meaning behind it. Well, that is such a geek and thing, though. All three of them can get into it together and analyze it and discuss it like best friends, like real best friends. <laughs> well, that is the the geek thing because you don't you, you overanalyze everything because you don't get that much. In life, so you have to <laughs> you gotta really magnify this stuff. <laughs> and the, the greatest thing was always uh, yearbook signatures. Like I would spend the entire summer like, like master code cracker going like, does that mean she likes me? Wait, she wrote that heart in the way <laughs> so it's just an extension of that i'm afraid oh i have to give uh, sam living uh, the, his props he uh he's the one that wrote the line um you've seen star wars 25 times you do the math that was the sam levine line all right good job all right levine you happy <laughs> <laughs> you owe me. Now, Paul, how was that uh, rewriting process for you? Because I remember we would sit in these sessions, and it was a funny time for me because I had just shot a pilot for a sitcom, and I really wanted it to go. It was starred David Krumholtz and yeah. Kevin Corrigan. And then you know, yeah, that, during that time, great. Paul gave me Freaks and Geeks, and it was amazing because no one ever gives you anything good. And, <laughs> and we instantly sold it to NBC, and they greenlit it. And they didn't want us to change anything. Yeah. And then uh, Jake and I just, you know, really I think pushed you really hard to just challenge you about every line and every idea yeah. in it. But there were moments where you just looked like you were. In more, pain than, <laughs> in more pain than anyone I've ever seen, and just us kind of jumping in your world. It was hard. I mean, I, I I never get up because I remember thinking, especially when NBC said we wanted to shoot it and we do, let's not change a thing. So I was like, woohoo, we're in. Okay, let's just jump into the fun part. That never happens. No, exactly. I mean, it just never happens. <laughs> so I was like, oh my. And so then when Judd's like, okay, we're gonna tear this apart, I was like, oh my god. I had this moment of like, my own army is shooting at me. <laughs> I, I got rid of the enemy, and and it was tough. 
stuff. I mean, it, I remember, you know, when Jake came in and, and I had, after I had sold the uh, the pilot, when we were waiting, I was like, you know Judd said, you know what you should do? You should write a second episode. And so I wrote a second episode uh, script that introduced Kim Kelly character. And a lot of the scenes, the Kim Kelly scenes in this were in that. And Jake was the one that said, you know what? He said, you got this great character in this, you know, second episode. Don't, don't hang on to it. Bring her in. And as much as I was kind of freaked out about all the challenging, it was it was the, my greatest lesson in, in writing, especially for television, was to let go and to. Because I remember Judd said at one point, he said, "Look, we always have that original script. It exists. If we if we fucking if we screw it all up, so, uh, then um, you know we can go back to that." And. Uh, and it, I never looked back, and it was, you know, such a great experience. I learned so much. It was an interesting thing, in a way, because it was definitely where I would say 95% of the Freaks and Geeks experience, for me at least, was really pretty blissy. Because I was not dealing with the network. I was not dealing with the cancellation possibility directly, except that, you know, I sort of feared it. I loved shooting this show. I loved working with you guys. I would say that the prep on the pilot was pretty intense, and we, and there, were, in many ways, while we were really enthusiastic about it, we did manage to, even as we were all sort of becoming friends for the first time, really sort of fight through it a little bit. And there were days that were, that were tense and stuff, and it's very satisfying because, in a way, it was like that that thing yielded something that we were were happy with and that you know you could really sort of admire everybody else's yeah. contribution you could i mean i remember many times feeling like i was wrong about stuff and seeing you know things i didn't think could possibly work shooting them and being like <laughs> like that's this. actually really good <laughs> like this yeah which made me incredibly uncomfortable and is totally like a signature fantastic thing mm -hmm. and this was i think the, what this all of the, the discussion the was about yeah which is we're doing a, a pilot which basically ends with this girl deciding to dance with the retarded kid, mm -hmm. and if you do it wrong, it is the worst thing you'll ever see in your entire <laughs> yeah. life. And if you do it great, it's historic. And we had actually cut this scene out. The network forced us to put this scene back in, yeah. and I'm glad they did. Yeah. But because the whole the, 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 that was the genesis of this project for me. I knew I wanted to write this high school thing. I knew I wanted to be freaks and geeks. I remember I was out on the road with my my other independent film, working out at a gym in in, in New Jersey, going like, "What's the storyline for this Lindsay character? What is it?" And I remember thinking, she trying to rebel so much, asked the retarded kid to the dance, and so that's why I was always. When it was getting around, like maybe we should cut it out. I was so passionate about yeah. it. But I and agree. you were right. It was just it was a, it was basically three months of the three of us arguing about the pitch of that thing, yeah. and a big big part of it was finding Ben Foster yeah. too, yeah. who who really who's really great, like massively skilled kid. It works because of him and because Linda's like pretty genius. Yeah. Dealing with them, yeah. and and because we worked on those scenes for months and figured it out, and mm -hmm. especially that scene where Sean Weiss makes fun of him. Yeah, I remember that scene. You know, when we finally cracked this idea that, yeah, that being mean to him wouldn't be so so on the nose. Sometimes being mean to him is just. Uh, you know, treating him with false respect. Right. Yeah. Would be humorous. Or trying to make him your friend or think he, yeah. Because they're always, anybody different, you wanted to at least kind of say, oh, that's my pal. I, it's, 
I, I love that it seems coming up, but I think that was a great day. And I remember Judd, you and I sitting around like coming up with that, and like you know when we got Sean, you brought yeah. Sean, and it was like okay, That's now right. we're in good shape. And I was, I remember it too. And I remember I was out setting, you know, scouting or something, and coming back and seeing it and hearing the saying and going, yeah, I see how this is gonna work. Yeah. It's totally real and it's funny and it's odd, but now this is of course <laughs> the other major like uh, sign me up sequence in this pilot. Just really brilliant okay, idea that that Paul came up with, which is that Sam, get away from PE me. class is the scariest place in the world for a certain <laughs> set of us. I think this is <laughs> And how many times are you gonna do <laughs> a big dodgeball action sequence? The double hit. The double hit. The double always, hit. That's the genius. We were trying to think of dodgeball jokes. The double hit. I remember when we shot this scene, Scott Sassa visited that day and Jeffrey Katzenberg and Jeffrey Katzenberg uh, made it made it important for us to know that when he was young, he was very good at dodgeball and he was very fast. Yeah. <laughs> this wouldn't have been him. <laughs> this, I mean, we shot this for a day and a half, yeah. which in a world of TV Amazing. and TV pilots is like, that's very odd. Like if you said like, we're doing an hour long pilot in 14 days and a day and a half of it is three minutes of a dodgeball game. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's out there. And this is also, Hope. I mean, it's funny. It's like the guy who <laughs> shot the Matrix shot our dodgeball sequence. You know, building those rigs to get like oh. the dodgeball cam at Levine's nuts. Oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I got. I mean, Jake. Jake did such an amazing job because this is exactly how. I mean, it had to be, and it just gets everything I always wanted out about this scene. I remember, boy, we it was tough though. I remember we had no time for Fredericks uh, for the coaches. Yeah, shots. doing that fat, doing it in like one take because we were doing so much dodgeball. Yeah, like, and the amazing, you know, his amazing the fact that he was able to pull that off and like I think, and then cutting it forever. This was like with Tara Timpone, um, who's, who was one of our, who was sort of our number one editor on the show, and she did the yeah. pilot. Um, she's cut both my movies. She worked. Like crazy on that sequence, yeah. for, you know. Mm -hmm. It was like at the end of every day, spending an hour on dodgeball. <laughs> well, it's brilliant. I'll tell you. And this is the scene with Sean Weiss, who Paul and I worked with on the, the classic Disney film yeah. Heavyweights. That <laughs> has no commentary track. <laughs> it needs a commentary track. But we, um, you know, there's so many scenes that are just saved by hiring the great actor. Yeah. And uh, he's just always been one of my favorites. And in, in this case, I would say, I mean, this is ends up being a, a good scene, but. So I don't want to say saved, but the performances are all oh no, it's all true. three genius. Because once is, again, yeah. Foster is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Sean's great, and and Linda's like, I mean, it's just she completely mm -hmm. essences out this character right here. Yeah. You get exactly what this girl is. It also embodies the whole essence of the show. The girl is trying to be nice to the retarded kid, and in doing so. <laughs> tells him he's retarded and he gets it upset and, run, and runs away and breaks his arm well then i have to say this is the other key thing about the show i'm convinced this is why we got canceled yeah. because we had our premiere episode and we had a drop in the ratings from the first half hour to the second half hour and if you now watch this moment the end of this sequence that goes to commercial is a retarded boy breaking his arm and screaming in pain <laughs> At which point, three million Americans decided to watch Cops instead. I love it, but I am absolutely convinced. 
He's just like ruined. <laughs> See, right then. Oh, it's so horrible. And now do you want to buy Wheaties? <laughs> <laughs> See, there, right there. You hear the sets changing the channel. We can say that now that because face, we're though, That like, what have I done? Oh, it's no. just so perfect. Because the original script, it happened at a uh, pep rally and Eli fell down the bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> Even more tragic. <laughs> so I look at it as being sort of a happier scene. Yeah. Hey, there's me. Oops, I'm sorry. That, that the photo that went past. Yeah. Freeze fame, go back. It was me. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> the great, amazing Another, Dave Gribbera. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Dave Allen could not have been funnier doing this part. Every bit of it uh, was tailored to him. I remember when we had the discussion about creating a part for Dave Allen as yeah. the guidance counselor, and, and I don't think we read anyone but him. We just had him come in yeah. once to make oh, totally. sure he could do it. I, well, I, can, I, can only, I can only say right now that as I when I wrote this pilot, I actually was hoping I was going to play Mr. Ross. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I can only admit it now, and I'm so happy every time the show comes on that it was Dave. Uh, that, see, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what do you call a bombshell. No one had any idea that that was the case. See, it's con thought, controversial. You thought you just wanted to be the baseball Player in <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this is one where I remember I read it and kind of like didn't understand it exactly. And, and these guys said, Wait till you meet the guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you will understand the whole thing and you won't have to. And I was just like, On faith. You know, this is actually kind of a good one to point out like the totally sort of really subtle and um, smart dressing, set dressing. In this office, yeah. mm -hmm. it just feels completely authentically like a, you know, 1980 guidance counselor in Michigan. And you like, get his oh, entire weird, character, like construction paper tree behind him, and I like Carter Mondale. Yeah, and his uh, Jeff Rosso sign. Now it was yeah. <laughs> Phil Messina. Film, yeah, Phil but Messina who was the dresser though? There was, it was it's his wife, Kristen. Well, no, but there was another guy we brought in who does the Coen Brothers. Chris Spellman, who did, who came yeah. and did the, the series. series. That's right, right. And right. Who was also fantastic, and Jeff Sage was the designer of the series. And but Phil Messina actually had been my art director on Zero Effect. I gave him what I considered to be a break or whatever when we hired him to do this. He actually, the day after this concluded, he was hired by uh, Steven Soderbergh as his new production designer and has been working with him literally since at every moment because Soderbergh's done one movie after another so it ended up being sort of a negligible break so, uh, it was kind of a speed bump on the way to the actual I, I like to think of it like we had the balls to give him the bump up that's right we made Soderberg, it possible he didn't have the balls see? Right. he just came and did the safe thing <laughs> but now I gotta point out the, the master of, of all uh, Lee Shepard in this scene yeah. who uh who, I don't know if we, who we found on an open casting call. Uh, we tell the story in another uh, commentary track more more thoroughly, but uh, found in an open casting call and wrote a part for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. I remember when we met him. Uh, Judd looked at me and said, "All I know is we have to name him Harris." <laughs> <laughs> and then the amazing thing was, because he was a Canuck, still is a Canuck. <laughs> it was very difficult to get him cleared his papers so that he could come and work here. And so up until the second he showed up on the set, there was actually this incredible Lee Shepard tension of whether or not it would be possible to get him into the country. Oh, yeah, exactly. That involved us. Uh, Paul actually wrote all of these letters. And, I mean, there was a whole campaign writing to senators. And, uh, no, we actually had, like, Diane Feinstein this write is a letter. The, oh, yeah. We had Diane Feinstein write a letter saying, this is the only geek who can play this part. He is the most unique ability. 
holiday. Because that was the only way you would get him in. It had to be. There is no actor in the entire country of the United States who can play this right. part. <laughs> There's only one man who can play. Yeah. Oh, is this back? Oh, is this back in? Well, we are putting on the uh, DVD oh. the long oh, yeah. version of the pilot, which includes this scene. One of my favorite, yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. scenes. Me too. This was the heartbreaking thing we had to cut out to get down to time. Yep. And my favorite shot in the pilot is in this sequence, actually. It's coming up in a couple. of uh, the, the three freak girls walking in formation towards the camera, I think, is one of the greatest shots ever. This is a great scene, and this scene was... This actually was the scene in the second episode. Yeah, oh yeah, this was right out of in the second In your original episode. second episode, which was not the second episode of the this show. This shot, I think, is so great. And... Uh... <laughs> in formation. The, uh, this was the... I remember this was the scene that I, when I read your second episode as we were prepping the pilot, thinking we got to get this in here. Cause yeah. <laughs> this was the only heartbreaking thing of the pilot that said we cut this out. Cut this, oh, out. this killed us to get this out. Um, but this is based on a true story. <laughs> this happened to me. Not to this extent, but it was a freak girl using sexual terrorism. <laughs> it's so great because he's like such a little kid. As opposed to now where he's like a seven foot yeah. football player That's who just right. showed up to do commentary. At the time he was so clearly like this just a kid. It's so inappropriate to be doing this. <laughs> this sets Kim Kelly's character, most definitely. Just like torturing this Maybe we should and the natural punchline, of course. <laughs> That's how we were able to fit it's it. The natural punchline. <laughs> Daily. Um, I mean, you can tell it's basically the same story about almost everyone in there. But we were like a week and a half out with no one to play Sam. Yeah. I mean, we did not have a kid, and or two weeks out or something, and uh, he walked into a session in New York, and Judd and I made him read almost the whole. Check it mm -hmm. out, man. The whole script. Oh, yeah. no. He was he had a flu sort of, and he was like very downbeat. And we thought this is perfect and real, and yeah. oh, and then suddenly we had the kid. Yeah, I couldn't go. I remember when we he walked out, it. we were all like, oh, I think yeah. we found him. Yeah. And this was uh, the audition scene. Paul wrote a bunch of scenes just for kids to read, to, to just for auditions, not, and it wasn't in the script, and then mm. it went over so well that yeah, we put it in. Incorporated. This is the first scene we shot in the in the in the, in the pilot. Too. It was it was pouring rain, yeah, pouring rain this day. Yeah, that's right. I screwed up my knee because I slid down a hill in the mud. I spent I, I did the whole pilot on a cane, and so everybody on the crew thought I was like a, a, a guy with a crippled leg. And you use a German accent. Yeah, exactly. And I wore jodhpurs. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it's you know, a funny scene to me too. This I love. This is this to me is such a quintessentially Midwestern scene too, because I mean, you know, everywhere in the country, kids have bands, but something about being in Detroit, rock music was religion, and garage bands were sort of, you know, the garage was your church, and and his passion is the drum kit, not the drumming. Yeah, he's <laughs> just like, sort of hits that thing. It's it's as much about the props as it is about the. Uh, Oh, yeah. Musicianship. And when you're a teenage drummer, especially back then, this was the year, the, the time of, you know, the drum cage and who had the, the gong and all that. Really looks like the Midwest here, too. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we, we great scouted, location work. Yeah, it was a very intense process of trying to find places to shoot. We ended up, for most of the series, using um, Newhall. Newhall, which is like in 45 minutes north I 5 of, of Los Angeles. Of Los Angeles. Yeah. And, um, there's this sort of great neighborhood that's a well-known 
location secret. Mm -hmm. And we used really a few different it. neighborhoods, actually, in that area to yeah, sort of be the Michigan. It's tough shooting Michigan in, in L.A. This yeah. is my only, I'm, so we originally had uh, Led Zeppelin's Deer Maker when he pulled up, and it yeah. was so hilarious. Chaos <laughs> is in trouble. There was also the, the sort of lighting trick and a talisony trick that we applied throughout the series of kind of draining the color from everything. Because when you shoot in L.A., everything turns brown and kind of orange. And in the Midwest, everything's gray and green. So we greened it all down. Oh, yeah. well, I remember you did real extensive camera tests with this. Yeah, yeah. And how to shoot Linda to make her look. 15. Yeah. I was like that Nick is sneaking off. <laughs> <laughs> and Rosso doesn't care. doesn't care because he's, he'll deal with that later. He's given up on the fruit. I remember Dave, though, trying to keep that position because we wanted to keep... Because he had the, they, there's such a height disparity between them. We needed him to bend down. For some reason, we were trying to do this in one shot and didn't want to do coverage like we're losing the light or something and then two extras in the bag <laughs> i remember that reading from him of telling their daughters a burnout was always like one of those for some reason i would laugh every single time i heard that how did it feel for you paul when we were shooting the pilot just seeing this idea of yours come to life and then realizing that it's actually going well it was crazy i i was i was terrified you know because it's one thing to write a script, and you know, clearly, anybody, any script you do is part of your life, but this was like my childhood, you know, and my where I grew up, and so I was really tense about like, you know, portraying the Midwest correctly and making it look real and making these characters act like people in the Midwest do and not like people on TV shows do. Um, but that's you know, once. Once Jake was in charge, I really knew I we were fine. Even though I think I probably drove you a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the pilot. I, 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 it's funny. I feel like we were, by the time we, really like almost by the moment we started shooting, yeah. at least my sensation was, yeah. we had, the three of us had hit a lockstep. And it was very, as soon as we saw the first dailies, it was like, well, okay, we're all doing the same thing. Yeah. And then it was so, and it was fun to just have ideas at the moment and ever, somebody else comes up with something. And I mean, prior to that, I had directed one movie that I'd written. That's my grandma. It was so different to have someone, to have a bunch of people coming up with stuff and to have, it was cool. Yeah. Uh, this is always the scene that this I couldn't believe scene. that yeah. we were allowed to shoot. Yeah. I mean, it's a very strong, artful yeah. uh, uh, idea that... This girl's grandmother dies. Everyone's getting coffee, and she's left in the room in the hospital with her grandma. And while everyone's gone, her grandma just passes away. And as she's dying, she asks her if she sees a light, and her grandma says no. Yeah. And that is sets her off uh, on this new path to just try to live and explore and yeah. and, and uh, push the boundaries a little about. bit. But I've never seen a scene like this on any other TV show yeah. except maybe yeah. uh, I don't know. Uh, Sifuentes uh, dying on NYPD. <laughs> right. It's, it's really, uh, especially for a show about children talking about death. Yeah. I mean, it's well, because it was really important to me to have somebody, you know, a girl stop believing in God. I, I just thought, because, like you say, you never saw it. And also, for teenage girls, this is the time when you, you know, teenage girls are so much more mature to confront these huge questions of life and let it knock her off base. I, I, I will say that part of it came also from the fact that I had kind of uh i had grown up religiously and then decided i was yeah. become an atheist and so i did this right before this i don't want to put anybody off but so it, it, it mirrored sort of an experience of 
crisis that I had of like deciding you don't believe anymore, and it was that's why I love Lindsay's character. A recent character. crisis. Yeah. Well, you know, in the last five years or whatever. Right. Yeah. You mean re- yeah? And 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 that's what I love more than anything about the show. I have to say is Lindsay's the character of Lindsay because. In a way, she was a way for me to sometimes work through problems I was having. Because I think 16-year-old girls are about as emotionally the same as guys in their 30s, which I was when I did this. So, uh, you know, and then to have somebody like Linda who is... Who, who expresses it Yeah, this who just way. puts it all apart. I mean, this was such a she tough a scene. I remember we were shooting and I was going like, my God, she's just nailing it. And you were working mm-hmm. so great with her. It's and... such an odd thing, like Judd says. I mean, it's just this... To, to kind of like... I mean, odd in the in the you, best way, which is to, to go and to have a network television show say there's no God. Right. I mean, that is really that's mm-hmm. out there, man. Yeah. That is that's like it's it's almost it is kind of amazing that we were able to get it through. I remember that I Paul and I Paul and I would always have this uh, debate tension between us and Paul was always trying to put out there like that there is no God and I'm like I'm not doing a TV show where I'm trying to send the message to America that God doesn't exist I mean I think she's struggling with the question of it and yet I mean in that scene that is kind of the attitude we're taking it's like she's she's an atheist our hero is an atheist right because she's questioning you know and just like I'm questioning at the end of the day do I know I don't know no you don't if you do I mean you know please tell us Life would be a lot better. I tell you. <laughs> this is the first thing that Sam Levine shot. Uh, he he claimed he was on a soap opera before, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't. <laughs> and and it was remarkable. It was like he was Rupert Pumpkin. Like he had practiced being a, a star in his mind his whole life. So when he got on the set, there's a camera there. Ridiculously comfortable. Yeah. As comfortable as uh, all three as of them. Be. All of them really. Like why are they so comfortable with this? Oh, there was no. just this incredible comfort level. This set, this location is so amazing. This yeah, weird glass wall. I was so happy and, about that. Uh, oh, now, now oh, we got to tell the story. Um, Jared. Yeah. Uh, th- see, this was going to supposed to be Lee Shepard, but we couldn't get his immigration cleared in time. <laughs> and so Jared came in and did an amazing job. Yeah. As the um, as as Harris's. Oh man, my stomach Protege. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know, the most fun uh, the most fun part of doing the show was that these actors really were creating magic every day. Just something was happening on that set from, from the first moment we were shooting. I mean, especially that scene where uh, Lindsay's talking about her grandmother. Everybody just came through every day and something yeah. really Sam. fun would happen it was always Sam. great to come down to <clears throat> to the set Sam. to just see how they would play it and see oh, what yeah. they would bring to and it and feeling like really weirdly lucky like watching the monitor i mean that's my main memory of shooting this stuff is watching the monitor and thinking like what a cool yeah. moment this is to just be ex- scenes exactly like this where it's funny and Oh yeah, it's like watching the show, what shooting. Because the you can just sit there and go like, yeah. oh, it's, it's so great. It's so genuine. I love the idea that the bully isn't really bigger than them. Right. <laughs> And this is where Bill Pope was so great because he was operating the camera uh, on one of the handhelds, and he would just get the greatest little pieces. Oh yeah. He's just got this ridiculously brilliant. With our with our mat buried underneath the dirt because we didn't want to. Fifteen year old boys get hurt so easily when they fall on dirt. Taking off the glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is torn from the pages of my life. This sad little scene here. 
Uh, I remember this was one of the changes in the pilot, which is uh, to cross cut that. Yeah. In the, I'm not sure what happened in the other version, but I remember. Well, the the other version, the original version. Uh, Sam's at the homecoming. He's going to ask her, and that right before he goes up to ask her, uh, the Alan and his friends come down to beat right. them up, and then all the other cheerleaders start going, "Hey, you jerks, get away from them!" So they have all these girls being mean to them, and they all run away. This but is this is way better. This is the kind of sequence I I always like, uh, uh, where you think something's going to happen that this lead kid is going to be in this fight and everything is built to the idea that he's going to get there and then he doesn't even make the fight yeah. <laughs> his he doesn't friends make cover the for fight him. and his friends who until that moment like their role was sort of ambiguous mm-hmm. they were just his friends assume kind of like a central you can see like in the series they're going to be really important because they're doing the fighting mm-hmm. <laughs> i like that that his friends wouldn't stand up for him and then they get stuck having the fist fight. Yeah. <laughs> Martin's weirdest performance. <laughs> and just that whole like that from the first moment he that you know Sam said, that Daly says, uh, "Do you think me, Bill, and Neil?" Could beat up Alan. Right. It's just like the most pathetic idea. <laughs> These three kids like <laughs> band together to deal with this. And I'm so dweeb. pleased. <laughs> I'm so glad that Alan had an orange crate uh, bike. He was terrified. Now this was a scene we were running out of light and time. Yeah. And so Jake came up with shooting it this way, and I think it works so great. Shooting it like, so simply, yeah, you, you and just like Alan changing the no, oh man. And this was like for some reason I remember the so one so moment where for some reason there was a network executive. Oh yeah, shall remain nameless. There was a network exec, and, and they like had some really weird opinion about something, and it was like the only time in the whole pilot when that was the case. And like the sun's going down. Oh, there's nothing wrong with and, the scene, and I remember just like sprinting back and forth down this thing. And Judd had to leave early that day. <laughs> yeah, and she goes, I'm leaving you in charge of the set to me, and I'm like, oh no, and the executive. Like the only moment leaning in there. <laughs> wouldn't they do this so i would run over to you and go the network wants us to do something let's not do it it was like it. a so, more but complete I gotta, close-up right. or something like that it was like i have to look like i'm getting the note <laughs> tell me this can't yeah, be done yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like that dancing right there that's the kind of thing you cannot plan for just right. sarah you can't write it in do a little dance and mm-hmm. that's what she does <laughs> i know <laughs> uh this uh there was a lot more jeff rosso uh in the original version uh, of the ending. So in fact, I think the show ended on, on, on Jeff Rosso, and what was his line? A joke oh. that only Judd understood. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, what was it? It was, um... This is why I've got the best job in the world. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. The best job the in the best world. The best job in the world. I think it's in, but I don't think it's the last... I forget, but... Oh, oh, I think it's just a face, or... Uh, I don't know. Oh, I, I was... I remember so Leslie, Judd's wife, saying, like, are you kidding me? This is the last thing in the show? Is that guy <laughs> thinking it's his responsibility? <laughs> Another behind-the-scene thing, we weren't we weren't able to... We were having trouble... Oh, God, this is so amazing. John Daly is so amazing. In this. Genius moment. Here and I love our realistic extras. That makes me yeah. so happy to see those girls that just look like all the girls I went to school with. They're not perfect. But uh, we were waiting to get the clearance on Jeff Rosso's name. We couldn't get it. His name was going to be Mr. Del Monte. <laughs> I remember we were coming up to the shot where she says Mr. Rosso, and 
literally the last minute somebody ran in with a memo saying we've cleared Jeff Rosso and it was yeah. I was never happier. Now this this scene here happened to me in high school. Hey, Sam. Uh, I went to a dance-a-thon and waited literally six hours to get the courage up to ask this girl to dance with me. And I finally got out there and Michael Jackson's Human Nature was on. And the song ended after like 15 seconds and some Earth, Wind & Fire song started rocking out and I was left there with my goofy moves. Now this is one of Jake's greatest moments just I mean everything is everything is so in sync daily is fantastic yeah, Natasha's fantastic we had the the women from the the network execs were on the set and they were weeping and I was completely He's choked like, up where's he going here he's walking way too long <laughs> no I that's right everybody was crying I will say like at the risk of the, the inevitable corniness that accompanies this. This was about as much fun as I've ever had shooting this scene. Yeah. This day, I remember this thinking like, it's just, it's rarely gonna be better than this. There was something about shooting these kids mm -hmm. and just how sweet it all is, but without being sappy and yeah, look just out, like, like real how, authentic emotion. Like how John's dancing, it's so awkward. And, and John is real. actually an amazing Broadway dancer. I know, and look at he's putting on this goofy thing. Yeah, he can totally get down. He's 13, she's just adorable, and Linda's fantastic. Yeah. Just doing the whole thing on his face. In fact, I remember cutting the. <laughs> I remember when we were cutting it down, and it was the typical like it's ten minutes too long, and we have to get it down to time. And I remember that in my initial cut, I had like a minute or something of like just Linda's close up, like looking around at the room, like thinking about things, and Judd saying like, "You can't just have someone think for a minute on television." It's <laughs> just like this great acting. It's still amazing that this moment works. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because this was the in the original pilot. This was the big. And the original pilot scene. wasn't that everyone was like chanting anti Eli thing. Well, it was that she well, came that, in yeah. and um and just it was all about bringing Eli to the dance and overcoming this thing. And, and the uh, the whole John Daly dancing and the getting fast wasn't in until we did the rewrites. Right. And uh, but wasn't all the kids really cruel to Eli? No, they the were. They, no, no, they started they chanting. Were, they were chanting his name like. And some like, were making like fun. Some were for him. Yeah, but this just you know. But it's, here it's, it's anonymous, sweet. and it's just been happening between the two of them, and which is. Yeah, because they're it's outsiders. It's very touching. Yeah, nobody. They're outsiders, and it's no one else's business. It's right. important to her and to Rosso. Now this is where that was original. This always makes me laugh. Because no, she hits him really hard. <laughs> she hits him really hard, and she doesn't like her. And that's right. the first shot that Busy's yeah. ever shot on film. Oh, that. Oh, that's right. That was Busy's first moment Same. as an actress, as a professional actress. I remember we were very delicate with showing. Uh, Eli's dancing because yes. well, it there, was, there was a line where it went down his body. <laughs> there was a line. And you know it's and you know it was a t uh, a good expensive pilot because there's a crane shot at the end. This is the crane shot. <laughs> Which I couldn't be happier about. Fun making this pilot. I'm uh, more proud of this than anything in the world, I gotta say. Good work. Seventeen more hours of commentary left. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe double that. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, how's everybody doing? Um, this is uh, a cool commentary track. I'm Sam Levine. I play Neil, and I'm sitting here with... I'm Michael Beardsley. I played Humphreys on several of the episodes, but not this one. 
and I'm Arnold Freeman. I, uh, just a fan who posted on the Freaks and Geeks message board as the vegan, and I just love the show. Okay, this is, uh, this is the pilot, uh, which was shot in March, uh, of 1999. So that's a good four and a half years ago from when we're watching it right now. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Time goes fast. And this is the, uh, opening scene, which is the best start to a series I've ever seen. They start off with the cheerleader and the jock talking, and you think it's going to be the typical, uh, you know, pretty boy, pretty girl high school show. Very and then it cuts to underneath the bleachers. You hear Van Halen. You see the freaks. I immediately cranked up the volume on my TV, and I was in bliss. From that minute on, I was addicted to this show. Excellent. Well, I, I hope, uh, like many others, I had the same... Uh, Thing. I know originally the song there was uh, You Really Got Me, before it was uh, Running with the Devil. And the stupid priest says I can't come uh, And either one, <laughs> great choice yeah. to really get the show going. Yeah. Opening is very Dawson's Creek. The guy even looks like Dawson, <laughs> which I don't think was an accident. No, sir, I don't think yeah, so either. <laughs> Um, and and here right now, uh, Nick's saying he's talking about God or whatever, and he's talking about uh, um, John Bonham being God, who plays drums for Zeppelin. That was yeah. just that was really great to kick in the rock and roll type uh, thing for me, anyway. Yeah. Ah, who the, who's there? Well, that's me. Ah, four and a half years ago. <laughs> I remember this scene. We were, tried rehearsing it uh, before it got shot, and neither John nor Martin had had ever seen Caddyshack, and so they had to. They like they were both instructed to go rent it, you know, and. Uh, uh, I'd only seen it like once, maybe twice, but uh, so we all were doing our best Bill Murray's there without kind of really knowing what we were doing. Right, here we have Chauncey, who plays Alan before his haircut. Indeed. And the good part for me in this scene is when Lindsay walks in. I mean, the scene was really good, and then Lindsay walks in to save her brother. It's embarrassing, but just the way she's introduced into the show, you get to see her heart and her compassion and what a good sister she is, some of the time anyway. But always has the compassion, that was what was big for me on the show, is, is the heart of the show, just the really, it's a really touching show, in addition to being hilarious at times. Yeah, and it's very real too, I mean the dialogue. John's gonna want me to point this out that he's smiling here, can I keep a straight face? Ah. <laughs> Yeah, the dialogue seems very yeah, real, and it's not, when they make references to the 80s, you like some shows, they make references just to like say, hey, it's the 80s. Sorry. Like, but <laughs> yeah, and, but and this one, it seems like it's really organic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I was there, so it was uh, legitimately ah. well done 80s stuff. Okay. That's like, you know, was just around my high school years. Uh, I love this opening. Yeah, yeah we shot this opening at the, uh, I think the last day we, we shot the pilot, we shot this opening. And we only did two takes of it. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if this is one take specifically or if it's parts of the two cut together. Yeah, that's a really good way to introduce all the characters quickly. That was the goal, quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you can see all the character in each one of them. I mean, that's... And the song kicks ass. Too. Yeah. It is a fantastic song. Oh, I know. Great choice for the song. I mean, I, I can't hear it in anything else, and it's like sacrilege when I hear it. I mean, I, they use it in the movie Shrek, and I love Shrek, but it's just wrong. I don't want to see it anywhere else oh. but here, as much as I love the song. These, uh, these scenes here... <laughs> 
were um, not actually shot on a soundstage. I'm pretty sure we were at some local college and we, we tore apart like their rec room or something and built a makeshift soundstage. Oh, really? And uh, for one of these scenes, we shot, I think we did it either really early in the day or really late, but because John was only, oh gosh, I think he may have only been 13 at the time, he couldn't work more than like nine hours a day under SAG, and so for a couple of these shots, they actually asked me to sit in for John and do his lines off camera. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Which was just about one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because Joe Flaherty is possibly the funniest man alive. And trying to keep a straight face while he's doing his thing is, uh, that is challenging. So. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah just, just when this scene came on, I haven't seen this scene in a couple years, and I'm laughing in advance because he's so funny. I mean, everybody's dead and it's hilarious. Yeah, oh yeah. Every time something comes up, he's gonna say, He's dead! Yeah, you know what happened to my friend? This happened, he's dead. And I just, <laughs> just, just yeah. his facial expressions are great. He's very good at that uptight father. Here he goes right now. He's about uh -oh, to say another person's girl. dead. <laughs> he's dead! It, it kind of bothered me that we, I mean, no, it didn't really bother me that much, that that was, that, that sort of, that trait of his just sort of uh, faded away over the series. I think he only maybe said it one more time, where so, where somebody did something and then later on they died. Yeah, well, in the oh, third... I didn't even notice that. But, yeah, well, in, because in, that was great. In the third episode, he sets it up, but then he doesn't say they're dead. Right. He says, they're still living with their parents. Uh, yeah. In the Halloween one. <laughs> yeah, same I, same type of idea though, but the dead thing was, was good. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does it one other time. Oh. And this is possibly the palest I've ever been my Whoa. entire life. Yeah. Well, yeah, what happened? Do a nice I've, I've been hanging out with Michael Jackson and oh, well, I don't, uh -oh. tanning techniques. and Aren't you a little older than he was? 99 was a very strange year for me, that's all I'll say. Oh, never saw the, light of the great Finn. Ben Foster. Yes, and uh, I believe that that guy right there in the in the jacket is a guy named Alan Simpson. Yes, he is. If I had to, to you are correct. That. And that is Marco Gould sitting yes. uh, sitting down next to him. I've met him. And this right here, Schwieber, was an accident that they did, I think, in rehearsal, that wound up becoming a running gag throughout the show that people would mispronounce Schweiber and Schweiber. Yeah, well he, I think Kowchewski always mispronounces it. And I always liked your impersonations. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is, I believe, uh, according to Judd, what got me the job. I, yeah. When I originally auditioned in New York, I did a terrible read, but for no good reason threw on my Shatner impression at the end of it. And uh, according to Judd, he got a kick out of it and wanted Paul to see my uh, Shatner, and that's the only reason I got a call back. Really? And then Paul had the, the idea to have me read for Neil instead of Sam. Oh, I could not have seen you as Sam. That would have been just wrong. No, you, yeah, you, you were perfect for the part. Oh, thank you. And yeah, I did love the, the, um, the Star Trek stuff. That was yeah. great. Oh. Yeah, and then of course you do it again in the diary. <laughs> John and I had the hardest time keeping a straight face during this scene, just the way he says Alan. <laughs> and uh, to this day, it's just, it was just such a, a breathy Alan. <laughs> oh yeah, you definitely couldn't have been Sam, I mean, you know, he's got that, you know, more innocent look. Oh, yeah. 
Well, so, initially Sam in the in the uh, script and the breakdowns was was written as like a tall, skinny, gawky character. Huh. But uh, and Neil was written as a uh, uh, slightly overweight kid with an underbite and a, a bowl haircut. <laughs> oh wow, that's so. Uh, so you really changed it, huh? Yeah, I guess. Uh, More like Gordon. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but uh, I guess um, I guess it all worked out well. That unfortunately is is the end part of a deleted scene that I I loved, where Eli oh. just sits down at a table with random girls who don't know him, and I think offers them meatballs. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that in the script. I never this. That would have been funny. And here is James Franco always eating. It's yeah, a very he, important facet. Yeah, he also seems to always give himself an activity in scenes. I noticed that. It's all still eating. Yeah, yeah, licking his fingers there. This uh, this is actually a real school because I know our cafeteria that we used in later episodes kind of resembled that. Yeah. But that was the the real thing. That's an actress named Stacy Hogue, <laughs> who is fantastic. Oh, I and, love some uh, of Kin's little wisecracks here. Some of his best. Yeah. I love the Hitler line, which is coming up. Hey, Nicholas, you get those MMAs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who's your dad? Hitler? <laughs> yeah, so I guess they modeled the set after this school, kind of, right? I, I, at the very least, the, uh, the mess hall. Yeah, or the cafeteria. Or, I don't know, are we in the army? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think we're in the army. It's like hard not for me to watch the episode and forget this whole commentary because I I just love it so much. I'm it's, like, yeah. I was focusing on that for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen it in a long like, time. Wanna... <laughs> yeah, it's, this is, this is such a good show. And I, and Lindsay was so good in this. And I kind of related to her in a lot of ways. Because, uh, you know, kind of edge, freak edge, and also, you know, yeah. intelligent edge and compassionate edge. Maybe, you know, well, Linda Cardellini is, is fantastic. She uh, she brought something to this show that uh, I don't think anyone else could have. Yeah, and I think the part of the uh, draw of the show also is that I think there's probably a character in there that everyone can relate to on some point. Because sadly, I think I'm a little more on the geek side. I can relate more <laughs> There's nothing to... sad about that. The geeks well, triumph in the end, don't you remember? Oh, yes, yes, th this is true. They did? Hmm? Oh, yes, they did. So I'm going to try them. I'm remembering back. It's been a while since I've seen them all. Yeah, that was great, actually. <laughs> One of the many times that uh, James oh hit for <laughs> Jason. Uh, oh, Millie. Sarah Hagen. Yeah, Sarah was great in this Such part, a great. too. Lindsay? Lindsay? Friend of yours? Oh, man. I'll be right back. The only thing I remember about this day was that it was unusually cold for uh, for March. It was windy and cold, and I think we had just shot the scene with uh, Harris, with uh, with Lee Shepard and Colin, right? Just before this, because it uh, looks like the sun is setting. And this yeah. is this is kind of a key scene because it shows you know it's a new show. Nobody knows a lot about Lindsay, and you get to see that. You know, she's on the intellect level, but leaning toward wanting to be in with the cool kids. And you see her, you know, intellect friend trying to pull her back, keep her from 
going to the dark side. Yes. Yeah, this pilot episodes have got to be tough to write because you got to establish all these characters right away. And yeah. You, know, you got to do it well, which they did here, but they don't always in, in other shows. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Now, that line right there bothered a lot of people yes. because they all thought that I was referring to how Han Solo would meet up with Jabba the Hutt later in uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Or so Return I guess, of Jedi. Return, Return of the yeah. Jedi, yeah. Yes, I'm a geek. Whereas, whereas I was referring to the four years of high school. I we got were not, that. We were not alluding to what happens in the future. I understood you. Well, thank you. Ah, uh, Natasha. Natasha Melnick. Cindy Sanders. And there she goes. <laughs> and you get to see Sam's love. For the first time, and here's Bill. As pilots go, they, they did a great job of continuing the storyline, all the storylines that we started here with the rest of the series. There are so many shows that do a pilot, and then yeah. it gets picked up, and then episode two is almost completely different, and it's just in a different track than it than it started. Yeah, we we reworked it, yeah. <laughs> but we uh, we didn't have to reshoot any scenes of the pilot, and uh, worked out great. Whoa. Well, hello, hello there, James. What was that? <laughs> I don't recognize that. Yeah, so this is a real school hallway, right? This is a genuine school hallway. I don't. Was this Grant? Grant High School? Anyone? Was it Granta? It might have been. I don't know. I wasn't there. I mean, now we filmed the the softball stuff of Grant, but that was in the diary. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and Sam, you are, your character always um, kind of put things in reality for the other characters, like. You're a geek. She's a cheerleader. Right. You know, and and you. But at the same time, your character wasn't always in reality because you always thought you could get whatever you wanted, which is a good attitude. But you know, like I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get her. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. So these lockers are real lockers because the ones on the set opened into nothing except the few lockers that were for the characters. They open just like black fabric, which that you'll is, never that, see. That's right, black fabric. There are only a few. <laughs> yeah, you'll never see a locker in the background, which really opens. <laughs> oh. And here's Kim Kelly. Yeah, which is not in the opening credits, sadly. No, they, uh, as, as I'm sure many people know, she was added as a regular after the pilot was shot. And unfortunately, we did not get to put her in the opening credits for some legal reason, I don't know. Had there been a second season, they were going to put her in, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's definitely good as the editor, I mean, because, you know, Linda's, Lindsay was the only girl in the show. I think Kim, good contrast in the beginning, and of course, eventually, Kim changes and becomes friends with her. Yeah, they played off each other well. Absolutely. And here, uh, Lindsay's standing up for herself against Kim. Or at least she's trying. And this is great for their first scene together right. since, you know, it ends. Their last scene Shot. together is just so different mm -hmm. just you know, so as they get in the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Kim looks a little harsh hands. here, but she's really, a, you know, she's kind of a sweetheart herself, too. She's just misunderstood. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we the, see her uh, mother later. I mean, I'm what do you little, expect? Yeah. Yeah. If, she, if she only would have fallen in love with Bill. Like they had originally planned, I think the no. series would have. No, I don't. Totally I don't joking. see that. Happening. <laughs> oh, you're joking. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that for a blooper reel. <laughs> I thought in your version, Sam, everyone fell in love with with Neil. Uh, it was in the original uh, Freaks Bible. 
I believe Paul had left that, left that laying around one time. Well, had they it. been interacting with the real Sam, of course, they probably all fell in love. Oh, thank you. Oh, so yeah, much. yeah, right. Yeah, well, I don't I'm, I'm exuding charm in this little booth here. I know I was in love with him. Oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we won't go there. Good. This, I guess, is still when they had uh, uh, Lindsay uh, sort of uh, in love with um, with uh, uh, Franco there. Yeah. Which which came to an end, I guess, in the next episode. Yeah, well, the next episode it was still there, but yeah, it didn't... Because then, then Tricks and Treats, Here, it was more Here's unique. something I've never admitted. When we shot this scene, the night before we shot this scene, I had never eaten jicama before, which they had in abundance at the craft service table. And I chow down on a good amount of it, only to find out that I am apparently allergic to jicama. Uh-huh. And, and wound up in the ER that night, but wanted to hide it from the producers. And they wound up giving me an IV right in my arm. Oh. And so as I'm wearing this this gym t-shirt, I'm really concerned that the wound from the IV I had the night before was going to be visible. So I tried very hard to hide my arm that day. And the only person who caught on to it was Chauncey. Oh, really? He looks at me and he says, what happened to your arm? You get punched or something? <laughs> And I said yes. I got I got punched in the arm. Oh, and you're just now admitting it. I'm now admitting oh. that four and a half years after the fact. So the world knows don't the let truth. me eat jicama. Well, way to take one for the team. Thank uh. you. It's the greater good that mattered, and that was the show. Uh, it's been again. <laughs> the wonderful Ben Foster. Oh, and, yeah. And again, here here's the scene that again drew me more into the show. It's the compassion of Lindsay coming to the rescue of somebody that needed it. I mean, I was really, I'm, it sounds a little corny, but I was really, really um, moved by this show a lot. I mean, many episodes I would get, you know, a little teary from the sweetness of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know how that sounds. No, no. Really, I, I mean, I'd laugh and I'd cry every episode. And I'd rock out because the music <laughs> was the best selection ever for any show, anything. Absolutely, the music was was fantastic, and uh, we credit that to Judd and Paul and Mike Andrews and all the writers who had such great ideas. The, I don't know if it's called music supervision for television, but whatever it was, it was perfect. Yeah. perfect. And I think and I think Ben played that that the retarded character so well that I worked with him in a later episode, and there was one person on the set that was actually thought he was really retarded. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, he's acting. Well, yeah, Ben Ben did wow. such did such uh, uh, deep work on, on Eli, he would stay in character all day mm-hmm. between yeah. takes. Yeah, and that confused people. So. Yeah, I'm afraid it did. That right there is the fantastic Tom Wilson. Um, perhaps uh, uh, best known as Biff Tannen from the Back to the Future films. I'm sure he can never escape that. <laughs> but hey, it was a great performance, so. Now he'll be known as Coach Fredericks, too. That's right. <laughs> I used to ball. like this game, actually. Dodgeball. Yeah, I don't remember ever a game of dodgeball where there, there were that many balls in play at the same time. No. But, yeah, and, basic- but this is TV. And against a wall, too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've got nothing going for us. I liked it, but you, the poor geeks here were, you know, taking the worst of it, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> but I guess that would be typical in life. Oh, Ron Lester. Ron Lester. <laughs> that guy is big. I actually, I hear he lost weight. He did. He lost about 200 pounds. Yeah. But I haven't, I yeah. can't imagine that. I haven't it's, seen him since he looks he was... fantastic. I, I saw him a couple of months ago. He looks great. 
and Martin Starr just took one in the head. Yeah, because at the same time he was doing this show, Ron Lester was doing popular okay, too. Like that's right. Yeah, Ron was doing. He was doing double duty. Yeah, this the obligatory. Oh. Shot to the. Uh, oh, but that's that's where comedy really is. It's yeah. not one. It's two. How many takes of that did they do? Um, you know, I don't remember. I uh, I cried a lot that day. <laughs> I can imagine. I do. Looks like you took oh. some real. Hard well, shots. They there. mercifully they they made me wear protection. I love that the coach is like totally. Yeah, get over there, you meathead. <laughs> he he was one of them when he was younger. You know that. Right. Well, here, all right. I, I might as well start with something resembling some sort of trivia question. Can anyone tell me Coach Frederick's first name? Ben. Of course. Well, that's that's far too easy. Oh yeah. I know, I know far too much. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I remember on the you set it was sad, because I'd be talking to you, and I would be able to name the episodes better than you at the time. Perhaps. Perhaps. And that was just sad, because you were in all of them. <laughs> I don't know. I found that, that uh, few, few uh, um, actors know their shows as well as, uh, as the fans. But, yeah, uh, cool but I guess in this in this case it happened to be a stellar show, so I, I had no excuses. And this was the cool scene where uh, the freak wins out. The geek wins out. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, well I'm I'm a little out there, so yeah. Where the geek the wins pelting. out. How could he possibly win? You know, even if he catches one ball, the others are gonna hit him. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, every character on this was so, so perfect, or so it seemed. Guess this was Everybody. the only time we ever saw the the women's field hockey team. It's too bad yeah. we lost them. Yeah, I we could have done was... better episodes. You know, more episodes with yeah. the, uh, with the field hockey team. Neil becomes their mascot, maybe. Oh, because yeah. yeah. There's there's the fantastic Sean Weiss, and again Marco Gould. <laughs> He does. He does that so well. He, uh, I, as I recall, I think uh, Judd sent Ben to a um, a school for uh, uh, mentally challenged uh, students. Yeah, so that he could just sort of really make it uh, as as you know true to uh, true to life as as the character deserved to be. No, he did. He did a great job. Yeah, he was good. And here's Lindsay to the rescue again. <laughs> I I I love this girl. She is fantastic. Carlicious. Um, I'm not. And I love. I love the actress, but I love the character. I don't know the actress, but I know the character. I love the character. She's coming to save save him, and actually, she makes it worse for the moment. But right. in the end, which we'll get to later, she again does does the right thing. Right. This is coming up one of one of the most painful scenes I think ever on a, a network uh, primetime show with youngsters on it. Just watching poor Eli break his arm. Yeah. And there he goes. Oh. Um, now Lindsay's the character. Lindsay's feeling it here. She's like, "Oh my God, I caused this." <laughs> poor Lindsay. I felt for It's not like here. she pushed him. Come on. Yeah, it's not her fault. Yeah, but she felt it was. And yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Millie. <laughs> Hello. 
Ah, our first introduction to oh, boy. Mr. Rosso, played by the great Dave Gruber Allen. Oh, great guidance counselor. Who was, I think, born to play Jeff Rosso. I think so. Jeffrey Theodore Rosso. That is that is correct. See, that was another trivia question that I didn't even have time to ask. <laughs> Where you got on it? The cool guidance counselor. And that wacky tree behind him. <laughs> I don't remember exactly where we shot this, but I'm pretty sure that what I think it was a, a college across the uh, across the way within the the college's parking lot, they actually set up some kind of carnival uh, that had been going on for like two days while we shot there. It was overlapping, and after uh, after work one of these days, um, Jake Hasden and uh, Bill Pope are uh, our uh, director of photography, and Linda and John and I. I think we all wound up going over to that carnival uh, for a couple hours, and uh, and it was a lot of fun. And that's uh, a little memory I'm sharing now that really no one will enjoy except uh, the people I just mentioned. Thank you very much. Well, this is cool, though. I get all this insider info and, yeah. you know, stuff I would have never known. Here's another good one for you. This particular day, uh, John Daly's father, uh, uh, the great actor R.F. Daly, Bob Daly, had to, had to leave set. Uh, for one reason or another, and John was not allowed to be unset, unsupervised, without without a guardian. And as I recall, Linda actually stepped in and said she would be John's official guardian for the few hours that that Bob was away. How and, ideal! Uh, and it was <laughs> just like a big sister. Exactly. Just like a big sister should. Yeah, it's John's father was always on the set. Yeah. This is the great Lee Shepard, Stephen Lee Shepard. And uh, to his left is uh, Jared Lennon, who plays Colin. And he's kind of the uh, deep character here. That's right, he's the, the geek guru. Very good, I was going to say that. Yeah. Well, it's alliteration. I'm sure it dawned on all of us. Yes. <laughs> it did after you said it. <laughs> oh, I've been calling him the geek guru for years. Oh, well, then I must have stolen it from you. I must have heard ha. it. Heard it subconsciously. Yeah, he's always so. The only time when he ever like loses cool is when he gets beat up in Tricks and Treats. Yeah. Other than that, he's always the all-knowing Yoda. And he wasn't just a guru for the geeks. Later on, I yeah. think he was a guru. Yeah, know, for everyone. Well, yeah. In the final episode, I had you know, such had trouble Daniel. right here, yeah. banging into Chauncey. I think we wound up doing that take where I had to bang into him. I, for some reason, kept hesitating. And uh, and it just did not at all look natural. That must have been easily the 15th take. Wow. We did of that. They must have been getting mad at you. They they certainly were, because it was, again, a really cold day. And it had recently rained, but that wasn't why the ground was that wet. They, they were wetting the ground because, for some reason, wet cement looks better on camera than dry. I don't know. Huh. I am not uh, director of photography. I don't know the reason, but that's, that's what they say. Wet cement looks better. What are they watching here? This is some, it's, you know, a generic industrial film, I guess, from from the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. We, uh, we had some, uh, some very interesting uh, uh, film like that. Um, on, in, the, in the episode Tricks and Treats, the, uh, the film reel that we never actually see, we never see on camera, but I spin in the in the in the the, the space underneath the stairs actually was a porn oh no that was test and breast oh really that was was that test and breast what yeah did I you say? know the whole <laughs> yeah breast aspect was... of it 
but uh, okay. Um, in uh, in a second, we are going to uh, we're going to go on a fiber optic field trip. To quote one of my favorite games, you don't know Jack. And uh, I believe we have uh, Kibbles the Rocker. He would be known to many of the fans as uh, when I we know him here as Dave. He's going to be joining us. Dave, are you with us? Greetings. Aha. Here he is. Greetings from New York. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Uh, How about you? Great. I'm doing well. I'm sorry I could not be there in person with you guys. But, uh. Well, we got the next best thing. Yeah, we're using technology to make it just, you know, uh, the expense is enormous. (laughs) This call is costing $30,000. Exactly. So please buy a lot of DVD sets if you're listening at home. They make (laughs) great stocking stuffers. They actually, yeah, buy some more because they That's actually right. already purchased at least one if they're hearing us now. Exactly. So rent if you're renting, buy it. Yeah, this is a scene that was deleted uh, from the version uh, of this show that aired on television. The scene right there with, with Busy uh, being mean to, to John Daly. As I recall, that is something that actually happened to uh, Paul Feig. <laughs> a lot he, of this is, I think. Needed, oh, yeah, my, so much of the series is, yeah. is genuine. I know a game that they would often play in the writer's room is when somebody would share a terrible story, uh-huh. you know, that they would want to put into the show. Somebody would say something, you know, like the, in, uh, in Looks and Books when, when John is wearing the, oh, yeah. the Parisian night suit. That's Paul. You know, somebody would say, oh, sure, I did that. And then the game they would play is, uh, of all the people who did it, how old they were when, they, when it happened. Oh, somebody, yeah. oh, I was 14. Oh, I was 15. And, and Paul would always have the trump card. He would say, yeah, I was 17. Yeah, I've heard that story. It was my senior year. Yeah, and Paul's, and Paul's Paul book has a lot of that in it. And that's a part of what made this show so great. Six more pieces. I got a bigger kit than Neil Perp from Rush. Oh, Nick's drum set. That's How many pieces great. in his drum set? Uh, 29, I believe. Yep, until we get to two bongos later on, then it's 31. 31. Well, it would be. <laughs> well, it's actually more than that, I think. Oh, is it? I don't know, Dave. You would know better. I happen to have some trivia questions for you guys later if we have time uh, to see how much you've been paying attention. Well, give them now. I'm not in the scene. I don't really care. You want to do it now? Yeah. <laughs> give us one. <laughs> All right, there is a prize for whoever gets the most right, actually. I don't know what it is, but, but Andrew Judd's assistant has a prize for you guys of some kind. Oh, this is oh, exciting. Excellent. Okay, so we'll, we'll do a speed round. Okay, go for okay. it. Whoever gets the most right gets a prize. Uh, first question, what color are the McKinley High football uniforms? Green and white. Was that Humphreys? That, that, was, that was Humphreys, indeed. Okay. Uh, why can't Daniel get into church? What T-shirt is he wearing? Uh, he was wearing a Molly Hatchet T-shirt, I believe, with uh, the head uh, uh, cut off with an axe to the... Yeah, we just saw that a while ago. Wow, two Isn't questions, that? and I'm getting blown away already. Uh, although, yeah, we have an unfair advantage. We just saw that at the at the top. Well, these are all questions from this episode. Oh, oh, even better. But this is a tricky one. How much is a ticket to the homecoming dance? Oh, that is a good one. We were talking over that. So. 50 cents. Why don't you tell your dad no. that you got a date? It was just a guess. <laughs> <laughs> 25 cents. Five dollars. Oh, wow. That's well, a that's very a pricey dance for 1980. It is. My goodness. But nobody gets any points for nobody, that one. No. Uh, how much does Sam weigh? Oh, Sam weighs uh, uh, 103. 103, yeah. Sorry, I, right? I, I had to answer one that I knew. Because <laughs> I remember him saying it. Was that that's, vegan? That was yes. the vegan, yes. Okay. That was correct, yeah? Uh, can anyone spell Busy Phillips? That would be B-U-S-Y. Uh, oh, man, this is tricky, the, the Phillips part. It's one, it's two L's, one P, 
P or is it one L and two P's? One L, two P's. P H I L I P P S. I think. Is that right? I think so also. That is correct. I'm a bad speller. Oh, man, I'm on a roll. Excellent. Well, no, it's. Nice job. Oh, you guys Who got are... that one? Uh, the vegan, Arnold. Vegan got it. Okay, vegan and uh, Humphreys are neck and neck. Um, how many times has Sam seen Star Wars? Uh, Sam has seen Star Wars, uh, um, you've seen Star Wars 27 times. That is correct. That's, that's unfair. I, I wrote that line. <laughs> that was an improv. That was an ad lib when we shot it. And I let them know that their daughter's turning into a... Well, I got, we have a couple more here. Okay. Uh, which arm does Eli break when he falls? I believe he breaks his left arm. That is correct, Sam. Yeah. Well, we just saw. How many pieces, not counting the Rototoms, in Nick's drum kit? Ooh. In this episode. I thought it was this 29. Episode. Yeah, I was under the impression it was 29, but I get the distinct feeling that you you have reason to believe it is other. So, it I don't know. 20, it is more. Uh, it's more than I, I don't know. I would say 32 30. 32 pieces. Yeah, 32? Nope. No. No, I count 51. 51 Whoa, pieces. that's not what he says. 14 mounted toms, 8 floor toms, floor, 4 splash cymbals, 2 gongs, 10 cowbells. Four rides, you know, five snares, and a quadruple kick drum system. Huh. Total of 51 pieces. Well, that is the mark of a true fan. <laughs> so we have a three-way tie. Let's do a, a tie-breaking question. Uh, and this is a tough one. Okay. Who is Cindy Sanders' date for the dance? You don't make any sense. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, that's a great one. Oh. It's, it's a jock that I can't remember his name. Yeah. It slipped my she mind. Says, well, so-and-so already asked me. Uh, I don't know. Tommy? Nope. No. To Tommy? No, Tommy's Millie's boyfriend. Oh, of course. <laughs> Nobody knows? Anyone? No. You guys want to take a shot? I'm not sure. I'm out. I haven't a clue. Okay, was that it was you, Dave? That was Dan Lewis. Oh, Dan, Dan Lewis. Lewis. So I'm sure the name is based on some it's gotta be somebody's actual friend, right? person that probably wanted to go to the dance with Paul Feig when he was young. I'm so let me bang. give you one more to break the tie. What poster is on the back of Lindsay's bedroom door. That would be either a journey poster, I think. Oh, no, it's behind her bed. How about uh, a cat hang in there, baby? No. Well, there's the Led Zeppelin poster. Sam, did you say journey? I did. That is correct. Oh, we thank have a winner. you. We have a winner. Yeah. Sam Levine. Thank you so very Excellent. much. I, I have an unfair advantage. I was on set when they put the poster up. Really? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I never is... actually went to the warehouse set. No, this and is yeah. This was this was the that makeshift soundstage that we had on whatever college campus we were we were shooting at. And Kibbles and I both post Why on the message board. Um, we had uh, kind of a confrontational relationship yes, I, on and off. Yeah, I understand. There there was some tension. Do you guys? I think now is the perfect opportunity to clear that up. Okay. okay. How do we do that? I, well, I don't. Think well, we I, I unfortunately don't know what exactly uh, how it all started. I actually don't either. Well, it's basically uh, carnivore versus uh, herbivore. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, we both whenever, love the show. Okay. Yeah. The 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 one thing that is perfect about both of us is that we love freaks and geeks. <laughs> that's right. Um, other than that, you know, it starts getting strained in certain areas. That's correct. Um, so we have had a few minor scuffles on the board. Okay. Yeah, he, whenever I post something that's uh, off topic or it uh, says the word vegan in it, um, Kibbles has a problem. <laughs> well, that's why Judd asked me to call you guys tonight to make sure that you were staying on topic on the commentary. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And to me, as long as it's interesting and everybody's uh, 
interacting, it doesn't matter whether it's on topic or not. <laughs> well, then I see primarily I see our, our yeah. differences on the board. You guys should meet in the middle, and uh, Dave, you're gonna have to have spring rolls for the rest of the week, and uh, and Arnold, you and I are gonna go out for uh, double bacon cheeseburgers. Yeah, this, and just the one time, and for, then the air. If that is clear. happens, I want pictures. <laughs> for me, this, this will not happen in my lifetime. Okay. I'm a yeah, lifetime I don't think so. vegan. But I can't uh, be eating any okay. animal products. But all right. Anyway, maybe uh, some sprouts. It's, it's actually due to my compassion for the animals that oh, is no. the same thing that brings me to the love for the show. All right. Uh -huh. Careful, you had one foot on a soapbox there. Yeah, let's, let's... I, know. I didn't, I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> Bring it back to the show here. He's playing the vegetable card. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to All right, play that. But, so what's, card, well, but what's Linda doing is, here? Is, is <laughs> and this wonderful show. All right, but but, but right here, right now, I, I want to know that the air is clear between you two. It's it's as clear as as, as an unmuddied lake. Okay, good. Oh, by the way, uh, Kibbles, you you watching at the same time as we are? Right I am. Now? Yeah, this is a great scene where they're where they're playing uh, this song and they're Renegade. walking up like uh, to the. Uh, fight they're about to be in, I believe. Is, right. is that the yeah. scene? This was actually this the was first scene, scene that, that Martin and I shot. Really? Uh, yeah, I, this was our first day on set. Um, and this was the first real thing I'd ever done with uh, 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 that aired in prime time, I guess. Ah. <laughs> that I had lines in. And you guys are going to fight for Sam, but Sam doesn't even show up. That is correct. Yes. And the song is so perfect for this episode. It's just Perfect. Have I mentioned oh, that the man, music Sam? supervision on this show is unbelievable? And it is, in fact, unbelievable. Anyway, so how much yeah, of the songs that song. were notated in the script, Sam? Um, I would not very many. I mean, uh, uh, we, we, they had a couple of uh, like wish lists that they would put into the script. I know initially when we were at the top of the show, they wanted Running with the Devil for the freaks to introduce them, and I believe they wanted the Star Wars theme to introduce the geeks. Really? But uh, but uh, I guess uh, they couldn't reach a deal with John Williams. I don't know. Um, yeah, but it's uh, a tough one. yeah, uh, they they had a couple that were listed in there that I think maybe wound up. Uh, uh, in the show, but it was it was sort of it was usually decided. I would say sometime during you know post production when they were cutting it, they would figure out what they could you know afford and what what people were willing to give up. Oh, I'd love to see a version with the three, uh, with the geeks being introduced with the Star Wars thing. Yeah, I'm kind of like the Kenny Loggins. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, because we we are doing the uh, the Caddyshack. It is it's quite fitting. What are you doing? Now this is where it cuts back and forth between. The two groups, the very contrasting scenes here. Both oh, yeah. tackling our demons, as yes. they say. All the geeks. Yes, Sam being all shy and... I love how Alan tries to play so tough, and he's really not a big guy. Right. I mean, later on you find out he's really not much more cool than you guys. That, yeah, that was always, they always wanted that to be a facet of his character, which is why initially Sam was supposed to be slightly taller than, uh, than Alan. Yeah, I love that scene in the end of uh, Choking and Token when he comes, rides up, thinks about going over and joining him, and then just kind of rides off and, no. Right, That's right. great, yeah. Um, again, this is our first day of shooting, um, the four of us here. And so we, we were required to do some uh, some heavy stunt work. That's wow. me flying, uh, jumping from the elevator, or the, uh, excuse me, the helicopter there. <laughs> um, but that's an elevator too, yeah. That's the joke that I wanted to make, sure. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I believe we worked with uh, a stunt woman, Donna Evans, who uh, the great Donna Evans, who helped uh, choreograph that stunt sequence. 
that we were Anybody shooting. get hurt? Uh, I don't. I don't know if there were any uh, uh, real injuries. No fatalities. Uh, to report. But, uh, <laughs> but that's the uh, the angriest I think I ever got right there. Uh, the legs flailing about was uh, was really something that I uh, have lived to regret. There's no there's no good reason for the flailing legs. Oh, nothing wrong with flailing legs. But, uh, I guess that's how Neil would fight. And here's Sam just disappointed, not knowing how to deal oh, okay. with her saying no. Yeah. She's got other uh, plans. But but to be fair, the fact of the matter is he did ask her the day of the dance. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, but the, the real important yeah. thing was that he, he got the nerve to ask her. I, I was going to say that. That was, that was important for his okay. character right. to actually do that. If I were him, I never would have asked. I would have been, <laughs> okay, nice talking yeah. to you. Bye-bye and walk right. away. We're already seeing growth by the end of the pilot. Yes. Sam, uh, how come you didn't ask the hot dog on a stick girl to go? Ah, I, uh... Well, they they uh, they were gonna see me in my in my Groucho Marx outfit, so. Well, they give you free refills, though. They do. They did give me free refills. Uh, if you thought if you thought Sam was uh, shy about talking to girls, Alan's bike. I have a feeling Neil was uh, Neil was not uh, not any better. Alan rides such a geeky bike. Yeah, it was a, a very geeky bike. They for some reason put uh, uh, blood in my nose in this scene, but never did any me? shot uh, close enough that it was visible on camera. So I spent this entire afternoon walking around with this crusty totally stage blood in my nostril that nobody ever got to see. And also, I distinctly remember at this point when we were shooting the scene, all of the uh, uh, producers got very nervous because somebody from DreamWorks, I think, or NBC, some executive showed up right there to watch what was going on. To see how uh, how everything was going. <laughs> Man, tuck your shirt in. Uh, no, I was in a fight. It's it's, it's wear. It's it's it has to show that I was in a fight. But the fight's over. Tuck your shirt in, man. No, I'm afraid I can't. I'm wearing my battle wounds proudly. And this is still the first day of shooting. This was still first day. This is the end of the first day of shooting. Did you guys rehearse at all prior to shooting? We had rehearsed the fight sequence uh, 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 in uh, a on a soundstage a couple days earlier. Mm -hmm. But not not that scene, not the the walking uh, scene. Because everyone had their characters nailed for this pilot, pretty much. <laughs> it was it was you know the, there were few rewrites that that happened during the course of shooting, but any of the rewrites that did happen, I would say only sort of made the the characters more like the actors playing them. Uh huh. Because they as as time went on they sort of realized that. We were all either becoming like our characters, or they were realizing that we were, uh, you know, so uh, much better as uh, as actors to, you know, better as people, to to truly show than to try to have us uh, act out. And here that we're made on, sense the, to anyone. on like the final episode. Oh, yeah. the, I mean, on the final scene of, yeah, the, of the first episode, which the dance. This again is just what cemented me into the show. This was. Really good scene. scene. Jocks in the corner hitting um, each other. Yeah, and uh, ideal again the song. If I haven't said that like fifty times before, <laughs> um, the stick song is perfect for this. Oh, it is. And, and this is. And Sam's walking in. He's a he's about to ask for a dance, which he's gonna get. Right. I believe. You believe? Unless they've changed it, yeah, right? Unless something's changed since I've last. Well, it's been a while. <laughs> Alternate ending. Here's, here's a little bit of, of weird unknown trivia. The dress that Natasha Melnick is wearing, Cindy Sanders is wearing, is actually on her backwards. Really? Because hey, the the back of it, as you'll see, or the front, uh, when she when she turns around, 
is cut in a in a V shape, and uh, I guess the costume people thought that that was just a tad too revealing for uh, for a a girl her age. Yeah, so they, they they put it on her backwards, and it it looks fine. Good save. But uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, it that does. looks fine. But uh, you. And now Sam's walking out to the dance floor. The guys in the background still hating each other. <laughs> Sam's the virtuous geek here. I would say we um, had the most committed background actors of any show I've ever seen. Speaking of which, where's Humphreys in this episode? Humphreys? Yeah, where are you? Humphreys is not in this episode. In this episode. Unfortunately, we did not. We did not. Uh, he did not grace us with his presence until I guess it was the third episode. Fourth episode. The fourth episode. And then I missed. I, Fifth, and then I was in everyone after that. And that's when the show hit its rhythm. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's all about me. You were. <laughs> what, was up, what was up for Humphreys in the second season? Oh, all kinds of fun. They were going to discover that it was actually Humphreys who was uh, uh, selling. Um, uh, uh, um, <laughs> he was selling uh, Jason his uh, his the hard drugs. Yeah, that and a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> This is just so, so great, uh, the this scene right here. Uh, I was watching uh, from the monitors when they shot this. It was just, I mean, you could really see how happy the uh, the producers were with the way the scene was turning out when they were shooting it. And right here you see Lindsay looking at her brother dancing, Lindsay? and she's so touched. Thinking and now she's going to dance with uh, Eli, and this is just such a touching scene again when she goes and dances with Eli. The guy's just standing there with his broken arm. Nobody's ever going to ask him to dance. Yeah. But Lindsay, I love this girl, is asking him to dance. And I'm touched even watching it while I talk now. This was, this, <laughs> this kicked in. I just want to point out that our background, I don't know about this specific shot, but the, the, the hardest thing for background actors to do in a big scene like this is to keep dancing because when they have to record audio, there is no music <laughs> that the actors are dancing to. And so you're sort of dancing to an unknown beat. And that, for me, is just one of the funniest things to look at when you're watching it being shot. It's just a bunch of, you know, it's a hundred people in a room all sort of having seizures. Yeah. Without yeah, any, any music to accompany it. And sometimes they play it for a minute, then they just stop it. Right. You gotta keep going. See, now what's Kim doing at the dance? He doesn't see uh, the there, there was, I think there was a side story where you also might see, I don't know if we've already passed him, you might see uh, uh, Jason, you might see Nick sitting on the stage. Yeah, sort I heard of looking. that. There yeah, was a, coming up. Yeah, there was another uh, storyline uh, uh, where I guess all the freaks also get busted. And there he is in the, in the top right corner. Oh. There's Jason. Where the freaks get busted and, and have to go to the dance to, to do something. Oh, and, that's uh, interesting. I didn't know that name. I knew and Nick was there. I didn't know what he was doing there, so that's interesting. And with, with Kim here, you get to see Kim's soft side when somebody's making fun and she hits him in the arm because she was touched by Lindsay dancing. Yeah. So that was the sweet side of her. Oh, look who's here. But um, uh, so that was, uh, that was the pilot episode. That was uh, four and a half years ago, and, and man, that's touching memories. How it all started. Hey, guys, thanks so much for... Uh, for participating. Thank you guys. Great. It's been a lot of fun.